When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think a new team has arrived in the AFC West, and their name is the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah. Herbert stops, launches deep. Jalen Guyton, he's got it. Herbert fires open, making the grab. Mike Williams down the sideline. 17-yard line, look out again. Car intercepted. We are back with another episode of Shock Therapy Podcast. Been a little while since me and you have gotten together. Uh, you had an outstanding conversation last week with somebody that was pretty cool. Um, I was laying out on the beach in, in Kauai uh, listening to the podcast. Um, and, dude, that was an awesome conversation with that guy. I, I really, really enjoyed what you did there. It was a lot of fun, yeah. Um yeah, thanks again for for Tony James for joining me last week. Um, it was and it was funny how we kind of ran ran into him. I, I reached out to one of our followers, Brian Rick, who is very active on social media, big follower of the show, big follower of I think everything Charger related. Um, that guy loves and bleeds Charger football. Um, so reached out to him, and then he kind of just introduced me to Tony. I looked on his social media, and it just self-proclaimed Charger fans in 64, but you kind of have to take that with a grain of salt. You know, I think a lot of people say they're a fan of a team, but um, Tony knew what he was talking about. I, I kept joking with him. I think this guy do, has a he has a photographic memory for Charger football. Um, he made a joke on the on the podcast saying he, he doesn't remember his, his cousin's names. He doesn't remember his family members' names, but he'll remember everything that happens in a Charger football game. So, love talking with that guy. It was a, it was a really fun episode, and um, yeah, I was able, I was, I was happy I was able to do it. You know, it was actually perfect timing that you had that conversation with him because um, I brought two books with me to Kauai, and one of them that I, I purchased is called "Tales from the Charger Sideline: A Collection of the Greatest Charger Stories Ever" by uh, Sid Brooks. Uh, Sid Brooks, also known as Doc, Doc um, was the Chargers equipment manager from 1973 to 2000. Uh, so I got to read his book, and basically this book is a collection of like really, really short stories. And what I would like to kind of do on each episode is read one of these stories. They're, they're super short. Uh, they're usually like three paragraphs long, but it's all insight from his days with Dan Fouts through the 90s. Uh, and it's it's a lot of fun. I actually thought that this was really awesome because I didn't know about the Chargers equipment manager, Sid Brooks, who had this close relationship with Dan Fouts and Charlie Joyner, 
Um, he's a big dominoes guy, big locker room guy for them. And he did a lot to help the Chargers win. You'd be surprised some of the um, sneaky things he would do to the opposing team's locker room and all mm-hmm. kinds of weird, crazy stories. So I'm going to go and start with reading one of these. Uh, this is probably going to be one of the longest ones that I'll ever read, but this is like, it, it's awesome. So this is him joining the Bolts. My secretary, Scotty Culleton, laid the sports section of the Colorado Spring Gazette across his desk at the Air Force Academy. He says, look inside this article, Sid. The San Diego Chargers are looking for an equipment manager. Why don't you apply? I bent over the shoulder and read the article. I'm not an equipment manager, he said. Uh, By January 1973, I was eligible to retire after serving 20 years in the Air Force. A career in civilian life was on my mind. Uh, My job title back then, he was a non-commissioned officer in charge of the Air Force Academy Cadet Athletic Supply Branch. So he handed out basketballs and and things like that to to the Air Force. So he backed away from Scott, shaking my head. I don't even know how to put on a face mask onto a helmet. I believed my chance of landing a job in the NFL was little to none, and I refused to dwell on it. If you could persuade an Air Force major not to argue with you until it becomes a bird colonel and get away with it, then you can handle a bunch of athletes and coaches. Scotty insisted, you're right for the job. She sent me my resume to the Chargers in spite of my protests. Three days later, I was aboard a plane on my way to San Diego for an interview after receiving a phone call from Bob Hood, then executive assistant with the Chargers. So I'm going to read a, a small excerpt of this book every single day because I, I really thought that his insights on this game were awesome. But uh, he, did, he didn't even apply for the job. He had somebody else apply That's for the crazy. job for him. And then it, he ended up getting the job uh, after they interviewed like 200 applicants. So I, I think it's uh, just kind of an awesome historical Chargers thing uh, that I think would be like a fun addition to our podcast. So um, that'll be like a fun thing that we do. Like I said, this is one of the coolest things, books I've ever read uh, historically about this guy who passed away in 2007, uh, kind of on a freak accident, but it's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to bringing that in. Cool. Anything Charger related, I'm, I'm for it. So um yeah, and, and the equipment manager is a thankless job. You don't think a whole lot about it, but the, it, it takes a lot to get these guys fitted and dressed and, and comfortable come game day because you don't want them thinking about their equipment come game day, and, and, and equipment managers have to put a lot of work in leading up to that. So, uh, Well, thankless. like I said, he was more than just an equipment manager. He, he yeah. would do things like send his – he called them little spies, his ball boys basically, into the opposing spies. team's locker room. And he would like steal whatever was written on their, their whiteboard and they'd take a photo and bring it into the other uh, uh, locker room and show them the plays that they're talking about and their game plans and all kinds of just crazy stories that this guy has for, you know, 30 years working for the Chargers, basically 28 years, 27 years. And uh, the guy just seemed like a really, really cool dude. Uh, his stories with Dan Fouts are awesome. Uh, some of the hazing things that the Chargers old players used to do. Cool. <laughs> um, yeah, it is. It's it's really it's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm I'm really looking forward to to bringing this to everybody because I had a blast. I read it in I want to say like eight hours, like nonstop on the plane ride. Like I started on the plane ride, 
to uh, the Seattle, which was my connecting flight to Kauai. And then from Seattle to Kauai, I read the entire book nonstop and I was nice. just glued to it. So it'll be a fun addition. Um, but as we kind of move past that, we, we got a game to talk about, right? Yeah. Football things are happening. It's great. <laughs> yeah, I almost forgot football occurred. So <laughs> let's, let's go ahead and talk about our preseason matchup with the Rams. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about some of our, you know, um, some of the, the great things that we saw. Overall, I think that there was more good from the game than there was bad. Like, I actually really liked what I saw from most players who ended up playing that game. So mm -hmm. kind of tell me a little bit about your thoughts. I think the first talk about Michael Bandy coming out of nowhere and just having a, a terrific game. Um, let's go ahead and talk about that a little bit and, and tell me what your thoughts were of that game. Yeah, I think um, first I, I was just so excited that football was back. So I tried my best watching other preseason games just can't really get in into it. I had it on because it's football. Um, didn't really care too much, but I watched this game twice and I thought it was a good test for the Chargers, even though it is preseason. I think you saw from how the Rams kind of operated why they won a Super Bowl. They are so disciplined. They do not beat themselves. They are a good organization from top to bottom and none of their starters played, but that doesn't matter. It's a good organization. It's a good culture that Sean McVay has built over there. I mean, I thought it was a good test. I think we're not quite there, um, but we have shown some positive signs. I think that you nailed it on the head that the, the, one of the biggest standouts in that game um, and a, a, a surprising star. I don't think a lot of people were expecting to, for him to show out the way he did was Michael Bandy. The guy was just a, a target magnet. I don't know how many targets he got, but he did haul in seven catches for 73 yards. He had, I think, one of the the, the best offensive plays of the game with that little whip route. Um, I love Dan Fouts on the call because he was like, I think that DB needs to go pick up his jock strap. And I'm just <laughs> sitting there on my couch laughing to myself. I love Dan Fouts on the call. Uh, I also love that. LT is getting involved as the sideline reporter with the NFL Network. Love to see those guys. I think they just, you know, you, you, you have Charger football and the fact that Dan Fouts and LT are, are reporters, you got to have to have them on that game. Um, that was fun. And then I didn't realize that Bandy was was a uh, San Diego product, played his college ball at the University of San Diego for the Toreros, um, and he had an outstanding game. He was also the first guy to re return a punt. I think that's huge. Because when we're talking about this wide receiver six battle, are they going to keep six wide receivers? If they do, they're going to have to contribute on special teams. Bandy showed that he at least has some. The, the coaches are at least thinking about him as a return man. I think on the other hand, the guy he's battling with for that sixth receiver spot, Joe Reed also had himself a nice day uh, for receptions, 61 yards, that really long touchdown that broke that game open on that, that broken coverage uh, just ran that little crosser or kind of post route or what do you call that? Not, not, not really sure what route he ran, but it was a good route. Was a it was like a yeah. corner. It was like a, it was it was a, like corner. a post corner. Yeah. It was like a post corner, but it was, it was cause he ended up like going grounded, over the he top just of needed the safety. To get open. Yeah. Um, either way, good route. Oh, but he was the 
team's kick returner that game had three kick returns i think for about 60 yards so like 20 yards average um and both of those guys i were was impressed with their run blocking ability both guys had outstanding games um they're gonna make it hard for that coaching staff to to if they choose not to go six receivers um that's going to be really hard. And then if they even go six receivers, that's going to be a tough choice between Bandy and Joe Reed. Both guys uh, really showed out. Yeah. So um, Michael Bandy was a stud for San Diego. So he has a season with nearly 1700 yards and, you know, division three basically is, is San Diego, the Toreros. It's a small, tiny school, uh, really, really expensive. My wife actually ended up going to that school. That's where she ended up getting her undergrad from, but uh, it's a great school. It's like very expensive. In 2018, he had 88 receptions for 1698 yards and 14 touchdowns with a 99 yard long, like on the one yard line, catches the ball in like a slant and takes off for 99 yards. Uh, he was a stud. He was averaging 140 yards a game. Uh, and then in 2019, he added another 1100 yards and another 12 touchdowns. I mean, this guy was really, really good coming out of college. Uh, the issue is he never played up to, you know, the talent level of uh, an SEC or any really Division One program, uh, which is why he went undrafted and kind of overlooked. But he was very, very good coming uh, out of college. And he had himself a terrific game. Probably helped that he was also the, the dump-off man quite a bit, playing in the yeah. slot. Uh, he's... He's he's small, uh, but he's still like 5'10". But he's a small guy with little arms. He's kind of like our little Wes Welker, our own little version of Wes Welker. But I really like what I saw from him even more so than Joe Reed, uh, mostly because I think he had a lot more opportunities. Um, he was a little overthrown a couple times, uh, had to adjust for some catches. If you look at the, um, the interception, the last play of the game, he had to kind of come back. That was a tough grab for him. Uh, it yeah. ended up going in as a, a drop, really technically for him, uh, who because he had to like double clutch it. Like he wasn't going to catch that ball if you you go and you look at it. Um, but if you look at his route running, I mean that whip route was was great because he really set the defender up well, sold it. The defender came down and then planted his foot and went back to the outside, and then had the speed to finish that play. Um, Michael Bandy. Last season, I was actually really liking his um, training camp. Uh, I, I really like his routes. Um, I wish I would have got to go to more training camps this year and watch him a little mm-hmm. bit more because he was one of the players that last year at training camp, the two practices I went to, that stood out to me just for how smooth his route running was. Um, I think well, it's going to be tough for him still to make the roster, though. I think it's going to be tough. Yeah, it's definitely going to be tough. Um I was going to just say my favorite thing about that route, though, he ran the exact same route just two plays before that against the zone coverage, which was obviously not as much bite on the in route because they had help on the outside and the inside. But he had just ran that route um, to a a defender had just seen it. So I I kind of like equate it to like fishing, like he ran the same thing. The, The fish didn't bite. And then the second cast over, they went for it. It was the exact same thing. He just presented it a, a little better. Um, and you, you saw the result. The, the, the DB was just left. Yeah. I mean, he, he, uh, in against man, right. And he pl- the, the, um, the corner was playing off man. He was playing, mm-hmm. you know, eight to 10 yards back. 
and he, he had to go chase the drag and then he committed to that drag and then you know um bandy plants his foot and and is gone and it was so fast it happened so fast uh, it was a fantastic route and bandy's been on the team for a while so it, it for those guys joe reed too like i'm just happy that they're finally taking steps they they are showing why these coaching staff has invested so much time in them um because there's some talent behind it they're just young and developing so it was a good sign from them that's exactly what this preseason is for for guys like that who don't have a spot uh to show out and, and show us and other teams what they 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 can do in this league i, I thought it was a good game for both guys i think the hard part for bandy is his special teams value as kind of purely as a kick returner punt returner when that position he's probably further down the depth chart he's probably below joe reed on that and he's yeah. probably below definitely below deandre carter so him making the team and not playing any other special teams role is really going to hurt him and i think joe reed is has the ability to be a much more dynamic kick returner granted joe reed's not returning punts still something i want to see him do um but it just leaves me with like where does bandy fit in with his special teams value already taken. And well, so you're and going top, to yeah. add him as a sixth wide receiver who's not going to be gunner. He's not going to be a personal protector. Probably not running down on kickoffs. Maybe somewhere on punt return. But he's he's a little guy to, to be out there trying to make tackles and stuff. Yeah, I think that that is huge. That is going to be a big factor. Um, I think another negative for Bandy, at least, is that I just think he's, if you want to just look at him as an offensive player in that room, I think he's a little redundant because of where he plays. He's a little smaller guy. You're going to run him out of the slot where Keenan Allen, uh, Palmer, DeAndre Carter are most likely going to operate. And so I think Joe Reed with his size, as an outside boundary receiver, just kind of gives you a little more versatility on top of the stuff that he can do in the special teams, which I think is really going to be the key factor. Just he looks a lot, else. a lot stronger, a lot thicker. He looks like more of your prototypical um, special teams good. player, where Bandy is he kind looks- of a, a tiny, small. Uh, if he's not, if he's not playing on offense, then I just don't see holding him. On yeah. the roster, where does that make sense? I'm not really too worried about um, him hitting waivers and anybody taking Bandy because I think every other team has their own version of that practice squad fringe type of player. Where, yeah. where I don't know if Bandy, granted, Bandy had 11 targets. No, there's no render that he was able to produce. He had so many opportunities where Reed only had six and might have been more productive overall because he had that one 41 yard touchdown. And on six targets, he caught four receptions. On 11 targets, Bandy had seven. So, you yeah. know, Joe Reed, given the same opportunity, he fall kind of inside of that. Um, and then he's, he's a taller receiver, six foot. He's, he's a little more lanky. Uh, he's not a lanky mm-hmm. player by any means, but more so than Michael Bandy. I right. Joe Reed might have the edge there when you take away volume and compare the two players side by side. Um, I think Joe Reed is still coming together as a route runner, but he's got strong hands, and I think he offers more to special teams room, not only as a kick returner, 
but as a thicker, stronger uh, um, special teams player to, to go out there and, and maybe go and get a tackle on punt or, or kickoff. Yeah. So I just, I don't, it's, it's going to be really tough for Bandy to make the roster. He's going to have to show out these next three games to really do that. Mm-hmm. And I also, if you take into the fact that Jason Moore is ahead of him on the depth chart. Yeah, I didn't see much of Jason Moore. Um, he's injured right now, but is oh, it going right. to be an injury that lasts? Or is it going to be something where he just missed this week? So, Bandy Reed might still be pretty far away from making the roster because I still think Jason Moore was ahead of them on the depth chart. And special team or uh, preseason games are important, but they're not making decisions based off of preseason. They're making decisions based off of practice more right. than likely. It's the film room. It's the mental side of the game. And then it's practice. And the preseason games are for ways for them to see tackling abilities, see a couple other things, but I feel like the decisions are really made in practice. For, for me, the way I kind of always look at it, I, I, I look at preseason games as, the confirmation of the coaching staff's beliefs because they've already developed what they think about these guys can or can he, or can he not contribute for me come game day? And I think they're just, it's the eye test. Like this is what I feel. Is it true? Show me. Um, And I think that's what you you want that on. You want that on film to confirm your biases, good or bad. Yeah. Uh, Moving on to uh, running backs, uh, Isaiah Spiller and Joshua Kelly got, the bulk of the work. Uh, Larry Roundtree only had three carries. Um, Joshua Kelly had three for 16. Larry Roundtree, three for eight. Um, Kelly looked a lot better overall, just more decisive, uh, more acceleration, hit the hole, hit it quick, hit it hard. Uh, I think they both had catches. Kelly had three receptions for 28 yards, so showed his ability to – to be effective in the passing game. I also liked what I saw from him pass protection. He's, he's definitely improved quite a bit, uh, but they were giving a lot of carries to Isaiah, uh, Isaiah Spiller, uh, 10 carries, 34 yards, uh, playing with the third and fourth string backups right. on the offensive line and still being productive there. Uh, and he looks quick. Uh, he looks decisive. Um, I'm wondering next week, uh, if Larry Roundtree gets more opportunities, I feel like they kind of um, threw the rookie out there and let him go and make some plays, gain some confidence, things of that nature. But they didn't give Larry Roundtree almost any opportunities to play at all. Even in the fourth quarter, they ended up going with um, Letty Brown. And I think Marks had one, Kevin Marks had like, you know, one or two plays in, but, I was expecting Larry Roundtree as the fourth running back in that room as a six-round draft, draft pick last season uh, to have gotten some opportunities to play, and he got very, very little. Well, and so I thought the same t- thing, too, looking at the, the box score. Um, but looking at the opportunity compared to Joshua Kelly and Larry Roundtree, the, the snaps were very similar. Um, they just didn't call Larry's number for whatever reason. J- Josh played 13 snaps. Larry had 10 snaps. They both had three carries. Uh, Larry just didn't get involved in the passing game like the other guys did. And so, I don't know. I and think, wasn't I think nearly it, as impressive in the run game. Just he was terms. not. 
slow, sluggish. Um, he looks where like Kelly was, looks transformed. He does. Um, changed the number to 25, dropped the seven, um, and just showing a much better feel for the game. You know, I, I, I think this is his fourth entering his fourth season. Um, but he was anticipating running lanes, very instinctual in the passing game. Uh, when Daniel was getting, you know, flushed out of the pocket, feeling that pressure, he was just nowhere to be and kind of got the, those dump offs were nice. I thought, um, you know, that, that outlet, I think Larry Roundtree could have given that to Daniel because I thought Daniel got pressured a lot. Um, that first, that first half of football, um, but JK looks new and improved. I think all of this hype that we've hearing about him that he's stronger he's he's just as fast um that lived up to the billing 7.3 yards per touch just produced only 13 snaps but very very productive one while he was in the game um and i'm really excited for the running back room in general because when spiller was in there yeah he wasn't running behind big movers of men like uh josh kelly was but still very explosive he had the bulk of the snaps 21 snaps in that game um but i i think it was mostly He's a rookie. Let's give him some professional experience. Um, and I, I think I think those two guys look really good. Larry Roundtree just was underwhelming, I thought. Yeah, uh, again, didn't get very many opportunities. And I don't think he got the opportunity to run behind Zion Johnson, um, behind Trey Pipkins, who we'll talk about here in a bit. Um, I, I just don't think that he had the offensive line in front of him to really be that successful. But when he was in, I, I feel like he lacks explosion. Um, I feel like he's, uh, he, I don't know. There's one carry in particular that I saw from JK where he saw the hole and he accelerated so fast through it. And then uh, even like, his ability, like he's not making, trying to make defenders miss anymore. He's running yeah. through them. Uh, he's much more decisive. And even in his interview, he just seems much more mature. Right. Well, it's a, that's a big year. It's a long year. Um, and he has the one year on Larry Roundtree. So, you know, maybe Larry can put it together next year. But I think that is a big develop. That was the biggest problem with Kelly coming in, right? He just danced, something you never saw in college. So I think you're, you're seeing the confidence come back to him. Um, and, and it's, it's awesome to see. I, I, I've been rooting for the guy since we landed him. Um, and it's, a, it's, it's fun to see that develop. And if that hype continues, um, one of my coworkers actually played football with Joshua Kelly um, at UC Davis before he went to UCLA. I think that might be a interesting insight because he's known him back then. Um, and he's saying the transformation from then to now is, is just crazy so I, I it'd be interesting to get that kind of insight so if the josh kelly hype continues the way it, it, it's building right now um, i think that might be fun so just a little keep that on your guys's radar um that might be a fun i'll be interview. interested to, to listen to that um let's talk about the quarterbacks real quick easton sick chase daniel uh, overall chase daniel was 11 for 17 117 yards two touchdowns no turnovers one pretty big sack uh, quarterback rating 123.9. I think those numbers a little bit overflate, overinflated. Um, for one, I think Chase Daniels' timing was off on the out routes. Could have had multiple yeah. interceptions. Um, one of the the his velocity on his out routes seems to have diminished quite a bit. Um, I think that he his processor there. Uh, I just think that he was a little bit late moving through 
And I think he made good decisions overall. But I mean, I, I could think of two pick sixes that were like so close to just being just late on. Um, yeah. And I think that he missed uh, Josh Palmer a little too often, just couldn't get him the ball. And I yeah. think that he had really good protection in front of him. I still don't think there's any chance anyway Chase Daniel does not stay on this team next season, even if he's not QB2. Uh, I still see him coming back as QB3. Uh, Easton Stick, 16 of 23, 119 yards. Uh, his offensive line, not nearly as great as what Chase Daniel had in front of him starting off, but he got a lot more opportunities. Um, I really like what I've seen out of Easton Stick, enough so where I could potentially see us giving him a two- or three-year deal next season to, to back up um, uh, Justin Herbert more long-term. Uh, still looks extremely athletic getting outside the pocket on these uh, design rollouts. Uh, I know he had a, a, a couple designed runs for him. I ended up scoring on one. Um, but then there's also a couple three-and-outs where the offense stalled under his arm. Um dealt with some drops, dealt with some some protection issues up in front of him and still handled yeah. it very, very well. I really like how he's matured. I really like how he's developed. And he looks like a backup to Herbert for the long run. Uh, Chase Daniel, probably on his last year with the team, uh, probably nearing that retirement age of his. Uh, the, I think this is going to be his last year, at least with the team. But I really still think that Chase Daniel – offers enough in terms of the processor, in terms of the leadership capabilities, in terms of just having somebody to bounce ideas off of um, and to help bring really a young, under the age of 25 quarterback room. And he's kind of the veteran presence to the offense overall. Um, I, I still see enough there, but I think Easton Stick is his, his velocity and his arm just seems to be way ahead of Chase Daniel. And I feel like the development is is occurring. It's happening in a, in a, a positive fashion for the team. Yeah. Um, I don't think Daniel was a negative, but I, I did think, I don't know. I, I, I felt, I thought the operation for the most part was a little more efficient with stick, even with those stalled out drives. I just thought he looked better. And you look at their stats, they're very, very similar. Um Stick just had a couple more completions, two more yards. He didn't have any passing touchdowns. Chase Daniel had two, but he did have the, the one rushing touchdown. Um, and then the interception, I think, is kind of fluky. I really felt like we were going to score on that final drive. It just had that momentum. Um, it, it felt like we were going to get in the end zone to at least have an opportunity to tie it. Um, and then the Rams just made a, a great defensive play, um, and that's what champions do, like, what going into that game, a big focus for Staley was to win games the way any different type of way. And that's what the Rams have done for years and why they, what they did last year and what got them into a Super Bowl. So they're just a, a, a grinded out kind of team um, and who won, won on a really I'm not going to call it a freak play, um, but it was strange. Right. It should have been a completion to us. It should have been a completion to us. It should have been a new set of downs. It should have been a first and goal set up for the game on the line. Um, didn't happen that way, but I liked what I saw from stick. Um, I thought it was his best preseason game, even though the stats don't really show. I, I thought that last drive, I want to say there was three drops, not including the bandy 
um, the bandy throw. Like there was three other had to be, should have been completions that weren't not because uh, his, his receivers were dropping balls. But um, I liked what I saw from Stick, and it, it's been a long time coming, I feel like. Um, beyond, I think there's been I, positives every single year with him. I see the development. Yeah. I still think his ball placement is a little bit off. Um, sure. Both both quarterbacks struggled with ball placement at times. But overall, I feel like he carried like pressure in his face – getting outside the pocket and even the processor the, the all of those things where I was happy with, I was okay with, it was really mistake free football from them. They weren't turning the ball over. I know stick had the interception, not his fault by any means. Right. Um, but I feel like, I mean, they're, they're backups. The ball placement just wasn't always there. Uh, I can think of the bandy miss throw right over his head, just seemed to just go right outside his grasp. Just, just yeah. barely. Um, little things like that, but overall, I think that they were efficient with what they had available to them, playing with third and fourth string guys on the offensive line, um, even the wide receiver room, um, and they still handled it very, very well. Uh, I, I was, I was for what you are looking for out of a backup quarterback. Moving on to the offensive line. Um, I really, really like Jamari Sawyer. I really liked what I saw with Zion Johnson. Trey Pipkins had probably one, one play that I can think of that he kind of got drove back, uh, almost ended in a sack, um, ended up anchoring down kind of late though. Didn't let, didn't lose the rep. Um, probably just, it wasn't a lost rep because it didn't lead to a sack. And I think he held enough. And I think some of it falls on the quarterback for not stepping a little bit out of the way. But I, I, I saw enough from Trey Pippins where I was like, okay, wow. Especially in the run game. I, I think he really excelled in the run game. Um, Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about Sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever won in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. 
Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever worn in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. Based off of what I saw from Storm Norton and Trey Pipkins, I don't think any player played badly. No player really stood out, except I think Trey Pipkins was a little bit better in the run game. And I, I think I've seen enough of the development Trey Pipkins be like uh, much more comfortable. Now I need to see him play against some more top-tier edge rushers, not – you know, the I mean, I feel like this game for the Rams, they didn't play almost any starters. Their only real loss, Bobby Brown, which I think could be significant, looks like he hurt his ankle. But there wasn't an edge rusher who played that I was I, I saw a matchup that I wanted to key in on with this Trey Pipkin Storm Norton battle. Um, and I haven't seen enough in training camp to see Trey Pipkins go against Bosa or Khalil Mack or even Chris Rump and Kyle Van Noy, I just haven't seen enough. Um, but I think I'm comfortable. Jamari Sawyer lost one rep. Um, Zion Johnson lost one rep. But overall, I think those guys all, all played fine. Uh, guys who struggled, I think Foster Sorrell was god-awful. Um, <laughs> like, like Trey Pipkins last year, awful. Um, I think he's going to be a long shot to make the roster. Uh, Will Clapp, I don't think, played all that well. Uh, lost a couple there. Uh, Zach Bailey got in for some some reps. Uh, Ryan Hunter got in for some reps. Uh, there's one player on here. I'm looking, oh, Brendan Hymas. I thought Brendan Hymas played uh, well enough. Um, he, he's been a real quiet guy this camp. Somebody that you haven't yeah. really heard a whole lot. And I really liked what I saw out of him last year. I feel like our depth on the offensive line looks pretty strong. Much better, especially from the interior. Um but I, I think we're going to have to see how that, that all plays out these next two games. Probably going to see a little bit less of the deep backups. Um, I'd like yeah. to see Storm Norton and Trey Pipkins really battle it out. Like one gets one half or each series trading out and see how they, they do playing a full game. Yeah, it, it's tough too for to evaluate a position like O-line, which is built on consistency where the starters are going to play four quarters. And if you let up a pressure, if you lose a rep in a four quarter game, that's a phenomenal game. Right. And so when these guys are getting 10 to 15 reps um, and we're saying, oh, yeah, there was one mistake. It, it's hard. Right. You don't know. How does that kind of, you know, draw out over a course of a game? So that was tough. I didn't see anything that particularly worried me. I saw some bright things. Um, I think I think between Norton and I think between both Norton and um, what is his name Trey Trey Pipkins I think they had a com, com combined each I think each had about ten reps um, I think they gave up one pressure total between the two of them I forget which one it was it might have been Pipkins when he got pushed back but Pipkins had way, the one pressure for sure it was the pressure. Either way, like you were saying, I thought he was a little more impressive in the run game, um, but still very early. 
it'll be nice to see those guys go up against, you know, the Micah Parsons um, here when, with with uh, Dallas coming to town for these two joint practices leading up to the preseason game. Um, they're going to get a lot of work trying to stop Micah Parsons and um, the rest of the pass rush over there in Dallas. Uh, they'll, they'll have some more guys than the third string Rams uh, talent that they, they were playing against this weekend. Yeah, so I, I'm actually really interested to see how that game goes in particular. Um, Dante Fowler should be playing a little bit in the preseason. Uh, Terrell Basham might play a little bit in the preseason. I don't think Demarcus Lawrence uh, or Aunt, uh, Michael Parsons are going to play that game. And I don't know if Michael Parsons is going to play as a pass rusher as, as much uh, this in the game. In the game, no, I'm not. I'm, uh, yeah, most, we're probably not going to see them in the game, but I, we're going to get those reps. We're going to get Pipkins and Norton against those guys in practice, which is what yeah. I'm excited about. Yeah, and that'll be fun to watch. I just, I, I just have it's. I mean, I've been so disconnected from football the last few weeks, and I haven't really been able. I, I got to go onto the Athletic and read all of Daniel Popper's articles from one to thirteen, uh, and see how that has panned out. Uh, like I said, I really like Zion Johnson. Anything else you want to touch on on the offensive line? No, um, not sure if you were going to get into fullbacks, but I, I did want to talk about the two fullbacks that played a little bit. Um, just for Xander Horvath for not playing fullback in college, I thought looked phenomenal as a lead blocker. Um, and then on top of it, showed some nice hands out of the backfield. He only had the one catch for one yard, but I thought it was a tough catch. It was high. He had to go up and get it. Showed good body control to extend and, and go pluck that out of the air um, with the defender breathing down his neck. So I thought that was a tough catch. It was a completion. It, it, it's not going to wow you in the box score, but I thought it was efficient. Um, and then he picked up the fourth down conversion the next play. But I thought as a, as a blocker, he looked really well. Really, he looked really good. And then neighbors only got two snaps. I, I'm pretty sure. Um, and one of those was a lead block for a touchdown, where uh, it was the um, read option by uh, mm-hmm. Easton Stick, and he put yeah. put the dude on his ass. <laughs> so it was a great I, block. It was. And he was, was blocking great in block. the other snap too. It wasn't as as impressive, but um, it was like a two yard run from I want to say Roundtree or maybe it was, I think it was Spiller at that point in the game. Still um, a. Uh, that's still going to be a, a really good matchup to follow this season is watching uh, those two and see how that ends up panning out. That's going to be fun. But I was just curious, do you think the more play because from Xander compared to neighbors is because they just haven't seen as much from Xander? They know what they have in Gabe or what? Or do you think that is, is kind of telling to where the depth chart is um, that Xander got that much playing time? I don't think it's neither. I think it was kind of luck of the draw. I think both players only played like a total of like six or neither eight snaps. So that's going to be a battle decided purely in training camp. Um, and I think it's 50-50 right now. It's just as similar as it is to Storm Norton, Trey Pipkins. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, I think that they have Xander Horvath for the next four years as a drafted player. Gabe Neighbors is a free agent come next season. Um, I think Gabe Neighbors is on his way out. Even if he outshines Xander Horvath, uh, I think I think you drafted him. I think he's athletic, he's developmental, and I think he's just going to be a much more fun, dynamic player and somebody that you can mold into who you want him to be for this club. Um, 
right now, Gabe Neighbors is probably a little bit better just in terms of him being in the league uh, a little bit longer, uh, being in the system a year longer. Mm-hmm. But you control – you fully control Xander Horvath. You do not control Gabe Neighbors. So That's Gabe right. Neighbors next season, even if he is friendly with um, uh, our quarterback – I just don't see him being around at the end of the season. It's just not in the cards. If you kind of look at the the, the weather forecast, uh, looks like rain for Gabe Neighbors. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it was a good run. Yeah, so you can keep you can continue that friendship on another roster. Yeah, um, I wouldn't be mad if he stayed and we put Xander Horvath on the practice squad. I just don't see it happening. I just it just doesn't yeah. make sense to me. The two yeah, players are still so similar, just in talent level. Um, I just, I just don't see it when you control Xander Horvath and you can mold him into the player you want him to be, and then you can put, even if he's not ready, you can put Trey McKitty at fullback. You can, uh, you yeah, can use options. some of these dynamic tight ends um, to go in, and play different roles if you want that, that to occur. Let's talk about Jerry Tillery. Mm. All <laughs> right, mm. sure. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Jerry Tillery still looks terrible in run defense. I know that he had a couple pressures. He was able to get to the quarterback. They used him as in the A gap right alongside, what was that, Christian Covington? Or no, Morgan Fox. They used uh, Morgan Fox and Jerry Tillery side by side in the A gaps to start the game. And Jerry Tillery, I think one of the things that makes Till- Jerry Tillery so bad. When he's taking on double teams, he has a tendency to turn his shoulder and instead of saying parallel and like anchoring down, like he likes to get this huge, weird lean because he's so tall and he is big, but like he is getting dug out like. Ah, he is so bad at playing the run, and it's it's making me mad because he didn't even play with the first team anything in front of him. No, you looked at the Rams' offensive line, and they were all backups, and Jerry Tillery is still getting driven off the ball. Now, granted, Jerry Tillery offers something as a pass rusher, but somebody that was extremely impressive was Morgan Fox. I mean. Morgan Fox is putting people on their ass. There's one play in particular I'm thinking of where he just put the guard, ran through him, didn't get credited with the sack because it went to Chris Rump. Right. He was right there, and it was kind of embarrassing to that guard. Morgan Fox played out, even against you know backups. Jerry Tillery sh- looks like he isn't even at the backup offensive line level of talent. So Jerry Tillery was terrible. Yeah, uh, to me, I'm just like I just where where's the the competition? Like, well, I I don't know. I just feel like the fire is lost. Like he seems like one of those football players who just played his whole life and is just kind of checked out. Which and it happens. Um, and and a lot of guys can't get it back, you know, so they'll retire. But I don't I don't think I think he is salvageable. I just think he needs that that I don't think he's selling find the love of the game. Well, I just think he's playing uninspired football. And that's what we're I just seeing. don't think he's very good. <laughs> I don't I, I, I agree with you there. Um but I think we're seeing I think there's more than just that. Like it's, a, it's beyond just the lack of talent. 
I just see no effort from the guy. And it's just consistency things. Like, if you're going to – it's just consistency. We, we've seen you do this, Jerry. And there's no way that these coaches aren't coaching him up on on that. Like, that everybody else – I think Joe Gaziano is a better player. Pro- I'm going to throw that out there. I think well, Joe Gaziano is a better player. I think Morgan Fox is a hell of a lot better player. I think Morgan looked good. If Jerry Tillery makes this roster I, and Joe Gaziano does not, I'm going to be so pissed. And I don't think, I don't even know if Gaziano played last night or I don't, Saturday no, I night, think, Sunday night, I think he's whatever nursing it was. An, I think he's nursing an injury. Um, Fajoko but, didn't make many plays, but I think Fajoko's in that consideration too because he's a great run run defender who's also been making strides as a, as a pass. I thought he played really well last night in, against I the run. So too. I, I thought he was really, really good. Um, first play of the game, he ends up getting a stop there. His first play in the game. Uh, comes straight through the line, makes a tackle for a loss. Um, Brain Fajoko, I think, plays a little bit of a different position as kind of a right. true nose tackle. Uh, but any which way you want to cut it, Jerry Taylor, you should not be on this roster if you're fighting for a sixth interior offensive uh, defensive lineman. So if you're going to have Austin Johnson, Sebastian Joseph Day, Braden Fajoko, Christian Covington, Morgan Fox, and then O.T. Ogbonia, that's six guys right there without Jerry Tillery that I think are all better and should be on this roster. You got, I'm trading Jerry Tillery away for snacks right now. Anything. Give me a seventh-round uh, draft pick. Just give me something for him and get him off this roster or just cut him out. Right, because he is a liability to this defensive line. He is so bad against the run. So bad. I think he was such a he was the worst def, like he was the worst run defender on the team last year as a defensive tackle. Yeah. Yeah. I'd rather put a linebacker at nose tackle than play Jerry Tillery anywhere on that defensive line. If maybe on third and long, maybe obvious pass rush situations you put Jerry Tillery in, but you cannot play him on first and second down. You just can't do it because he's such a liability there. Yeah, the the fit's not there, and I think it's fair to the team and to the player at this point to kind of cut ties and see what he can do in another in another system in, a, in another in a change of scenery um i think he needs an influx of new i think he needs to refine the love of the game um and then th- this off next off season uh hit hit the weight room hit the training sessions a little harder than he has been uh because i just haven't seen like is this not the same guy that we drafted like where's the development what has what has he improved on during his it's time it's been in the a league? real slow if, development if he has developed I think he might have got worse. <laughs> That's what's so He's, crazy to me. It's, he hasn't gotten worse because his rookie season was even worse. Like he had. That's true. Probably, That's true. But I mean, I think a lot of it is, is technique. I think that he doesn't stay parallel Not to the point. defensive line, and then he gets dug out on double teams, uh, which is like kind of understandable. That's what a double team is meant to do. He's not a nose tackle. He's a three-tech defensive tackle whose primary job is to rush the passer in a normal scheme, in a normal 4-3 scheme, in a normal 3-4 scheme. As a defensive end, he's a 
but like he he doesn't stay parallel and he doesn't hold his ground. He gets dug out every single time. I he's just he's not good. He's just not good. He is at best the sixth best defensive interior defensive lineman behind Austin Johnson, behind Sebastian Joseph Day, behind Christian Covington, behind Fahoko, behind Morgan Fox, behind Gaziano. Agbonia didn't show much, uh, didn't play a whole lot. Nothing that I really saw stood out to me from his standpoint. But I just named six players. I have Jerry Tillery as the seventh best defensive tackle on this roster. How does he make the roster? Who does he push off the roster? If it's Fahoko, that's going to be terrible. Yeah. I I just don't. I think he's battling with Morgan Fox at this point, and I think Morgan Fox has has the the you know I I think he, it's Morgan Fox Fox's jobs to lose. I think they they want to move away from him. They're looking for you know just they're just looking for Tillery to make it just a statement and say no. There's no way you're going to get rid of me. I just don't see him making any type of. He's just not going to be able to make that. Um, it was going to be like a, a group thing. It needed to start with this game. It needed to start week one, day one of training camp, and we just haven't yet to see it. Uh, I think it might be – I think it's too late at this point. I think you've already gotten the competition that you wanted having Jerry Tillery there, and I think he lost. Yeah. And I'm done talking about Jerry Tillery. Let's move on Moving to on. the linebackers. Uh, Chris Rumpf, I think, played phenomenal. Uh, I think that he is – Played stronger. Um, I think that he played really he well at, at shedding blocks. Like he was really good at creating extension, ripping through, getting to the quarterback. Um, needs to finish some plays. He was there to finish mm-hmm. some plays. Uh, I think that he played very well parallel to the line, getting across the line on some um, outside zones. And as in that outside zone, he's kind of left by himself. Nobody's blocking him. Comes play down the line of scrimmage, plays down the cup down lane, and played that really well. Um, was able to kind of stunt and get inside and create pressure. I think Chris Rump was probably the best pass rusher yesterday. Um, I keep saying yesterday; it's 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 Monday, anyways. <laughs> um, and then also Amike Boule, I thought he played really well at getting to the passer. Really struggled yeah. at finishing. Mm-hmm. Really, really struggled at maintaining contain. Uh, keeping the quarterback inside the park that Bryce Perkins ran wherever he wanted. Uh, And he also missed some tackles. I know that he had some seven pressures or something like that, but a pressure isn't mean a whole lot to me. If you're not creating negative plays, if you're not in negative plays being um, pass breakups, um, forcing the quarterback to get the ball out quickly. I mean, you get a pressure when when you're pressuring the quarterback and he gets outside the pocket and extends the play, it still goes down as a pressure. I think that he was able to beat his matchup, whoever, whichever tackle he was lined up on. But I didn't think that he played all that well. I, I think that it was more missed opportunities than created opportunities. And that's kind of why I gave him that, that negative score on Twitter's. Um, I think he's a, a long shot to make the roster. Right off the bat, I think that he's um, he's kind of a, a fringe practice squad. I could easily see him making a practice squad, 
But I, I'm going to see – it's going to be a hard, hard time me seeing him making the 53 unless he finishes some of these plays. Uh, very similar yeah. – very, very similar to um, uh, Dean Leonard. Didn't, Dean was in position to make plays and just couldn't finish. Uh, if you're yeah. if you're gonna give Dean a bad game, and we're gonna talk about Dean's game here in a bit, uh, you have to give Amik a bad game because while he was in position to make plays, he didn't plays. I think he had like three or four missed tackles to go with that, and then all that is like a serious issue from the quarterback uh, to extend plays. So that's why I didn't think that he played all that well. I thought he was able to beat his man but you got to finish the play. It doesn't mean anything if you don't finish the play. Well, and all the guys who've had off games on Saturday, they all they all had the, they all did the same thing. They just couldn't finish. And I think it's it's encouraging that it's happening week 1 of preseason because I thought across the board we were in position. Like coverage was great. Guys were in the right place. The pass rush was we were getting pressure. We're just not finishing. Um, and, and that's okay. You know, these are guys, r- rookies and second and third stringers. You want them to figure it out, but you're not, you're not going to, you know, lose win or lose games with, you know, the, off your third string most of the time. So it's encouraging in the fact that guys are in the right place. Now you just got to finish. Um, so hopefully that improves this week at practice and moving into the Dallas game. Um, I thought the, the good thing is that guys are in the right place. That's what you want. That's what you're getting through at walkthrough pace, right? Guys aren't getting – we're not tackling live. This was our first live tackling experience. And I thought the – I love the tempo change from the first half to the second half, where in the first half it was just broken tackle after broken tackle. And then that second half, guys were rallying to the football. It was four, five, six bolts um, per snap getting to the ball carrier. That's what you want. And so that tempo change definitely – shifted and i thought we were really mo- building momentum that fourth quarter kind of just stalled out on that interception but um got to finish plays and that and that's what we're here that's why uh, what do you think of trey reader cole christensen and damon lloyd i thought all guys played good i thought i was really impressed by the linebacker group um troy reader was the first guy that kind of stood out to me a guy I wasn't really expecting much of um but the, the fact that he's calling plays the fact that he has the trust of Staley, um, that's big for me. Obviously, Staley knows a lot more about football and, and this team than I do from uh, the outside looking in. So for him to have confidence in a guy like that, that gives me confidence as as a fan. Um, he had that big tackle for no gain on third and one early in the game. I thought That was huge. Was huge play. Um, and he led the team with eight tackles. I just thought he was a presence out there. I thought his coverage looked good. They didn't test him because he was just blanket back there. Um, I thought Troy Reader in particular was a, was a, a darling that I wasn't expecting, and I thought had a phenomenal game. Uh, Damon Lloyd also had a, a pretty decent game. He's been I've been hearing hype from Damon Lloyd all camp, uh, kind of like your Eamon um, Ogbongamiga of last season. Uh, somebody that the team seems to be very high on, at least in, in terms of practice. Uh, Cole yeah. Christensen was all over the field. He had six tackles as well. Um, I really like what I've seen out of the linebacker group. I'm going to speed this up a little bit. Uh, yeah. Dean Leonard, uh, I think that Dean was in position more times than not. I think that 
some of the ball skills might be lacking. He had a, a couple opportunities like that touchdown where he ended up getting tackled by his own player. Yeah, that was rough. <laughs> that was rough, but he's in position. His All he had to do is extend his arm, and that's a pass breakup. Real tight well, and coverage. All, and all JT Woods needed to do was hit the right guy. <laughs> if, <laughs> if JT Woods just hit the uh, the, the Rams player, McCut, who also, I mean, we, we got beat down by two players, Bryce Perkins um, and then that receiver. What is his name? McCutcheon or McLeod? McClutchin. McClutchin. It is McClutchin. Um, like, yeah. That was their offense. And it was just those guys back to back. That connection. Uh, Perkins with his legs. And then that connection from him to McCutcheon. Uh, that just cooked us all night. Michael Davis obviously played extremely well playing against really scrubs from the Rams. Guys that aren't going to. Austin Tremel, who I think spent a couple of weeks with the Chargers a few seasons ago. I mean, it really was not a great uh, – in terms of the level of competition that these guys were playing, Dean was not playing the best competition. He was in in position to make plays, just finished at struggling. Um, I didn't really see much else from – Brandon Sebastian didn't play all that well, ended up giving up a touchdown – uh, Raheem Lane missed a really bad tackle. Uh, ben DeLuca looked really, really good in run coverage, was yeah. not tested at all in coverage. Uh, as a safety, really hard to see him on the back end anyways in terms of coverage. Uh, I think JT Woods – I'm going to come back to JT Woods because I do want to talk about JT here for a second. Um, Keeman Hall really didn't stand out. I think just Sir Taylor looked really good playing in the slot. Um it looks like he's kind of more of a lock to make the roster in terms of the um, secondary guys struggling to, to find a roster spot. Uh, JT Woods is going to force the coaching staff to keep a Louis Gilman and Mark Webb. Um, I think that they're investing in JT Woods. I just don't think – I haven't heard enough from him at a camp outside of some tip balls that he's come up with interceptions on. I think that he's going to be a little bit more developmental this first year, just based off of what I've heard, what I've seen. Yeah. Um, and he, he just seems to be a little bit behind the curve, more mental. We know that athletically he's, he's going to be a phenomenal player. But his trajectory right now may be a little bit under what we're thinking. Um, so high probability that the Chargers keep five safeties to me right now. I think Aloe Gilman was probably one of the best secondary players we had all game long. Um, consistent, yeah. He is consistent, and I even thought that he played well last year. I've been hearing a lot of Mark Webb and JT Woods is going to force Aloe Gilman off this roster. I still think Aloe Gilman is our best backup safety over Mark Webb, over JT Woods. He's also been healthy. Um I think he missed like two games last season. I, I I'll give any player two games. I that I'm fine with that. Um, and I think that he makes plays. Like I, I liked Aloe Gilman quite a bit. Yeah. To me, he is our safety three. Mark Webb is four, and JT Woods needs to find his footing. That's all he needs to do. Just find his footing. Um, J.K. Scott. We'll talk about him real quick. Plenty of hang time. Looks really good wow. as a punter. Has no competition whatsoever they still say Ty Long is second but I don't think Ty Long's even 
on this team right now. So I don't know what ESPN has because I've not heard it. Or I don't think he's on our roster at all. He's not in training camp. Um, Dustin Hopkins, great. James McCourt, probably not making the roster. Um, and then we got a little bit of kick return, punt return for Michael Bandy and Joe Reed. Um, that's all I've really got. I'll let you close out on your final thoughts on some of these secondary players. Yeah. Um, again, I, I think, yeah, I, it's the same problem with the, the rest of the team. We're in right, the right spots. Just got to work on, uh, on timing. Um, I thought overall for the special teams, I thought our coverage units were good. Um, the punt was the hang t- the coverage team on punt has so much time to get down there. And I think they had too much time. And I think that's what Dean Leonard got. Why he ran into the guy. Cause he was like, is the ball down yet? It has to be down. I've been running for eight seconds or whatever. So I feel like that is just a, a rookie mistake. Um, and then he had another one where he just fell. Like, so if he could time that better, those are two huge plays. He's down there, right? He just needs to time actually, it. Yeah. Better. I actually want to talk about that Dean Leonard penalty um that kick returner sorry that punt returner seemed to have waved for the fair catch extremely early and if anything i think dean may play because if there if he didn't see he he caused a forced fumble like yeah he did that that happened right regardless of it being a penalty or not i'll take the penalty if you didn't see the punt waved off, right? If you didn't see that fair fair catch, then he made a great play right. regardless. Well, and you see that hesitancy, right? Because he's flying, and then he holds up. He's like, wait, did he call a fair catch? Like, I don't remember. Boom. And then it was – and even then in that – I wish he just hesitated a little longer because it was just a millisecond from being a forced fumble. And then right on the other one, the, he had another one later in the game where – it, the timing seemed better, and then he just fell to the ground. So, yeah, um, and then I'm I think it was also it. a fair catch. But um, again, being sometimes in the right you don't spot, see it. No, sometimes I, you don't see it, and I kind of wish he wouldn't have hesitated. I wish he would have just taken him out, just boom, one of those big hits. Been. Take the take the fifteen thousand uh, dollar uh, penalty, yeah, and be known. Make yourself known. Need a couple He's more game checks much. before that. No. <laughs> Um, but I really but I thought, liked overall what I saw. I did too. I did too. I, I think the biggest knock that I had, um, for the defense in the hole was just, and I can't really call it rush defense, but the scramble drill with Bryce Perkins, how many, you know, should have been sacks did we have where you just couldn't get that guy to the ground. Um, and he burnt us for eight carries 39 yards, which doesn't seem like a lot, but it was, because those were third and longs. Those were, you know, third downs that should have gave our offense the ball back that he just kept churning out first down, first down, first down and and extending drives and then putting up points on the other end. Um, And it's just something I think to consider when you have to play Patrick Mahomes twice, when you have Russell Wilson, who just joined the league, who can get you, who could beat you with the legs. Um, It is our third string. It is our second and third string guys. So maybe not the worst thing, but I thought that was just brutal. It's like every time the Rams drive seemed to be ending, uh, Bryce Perkins would wiggle his way out, find his favorite target in McCutcheon and uh, just couldn't get it done. I I, I think that was the biggest thing. They, I think they just got, they out-disciplined us. 
didn't have the penalties, only two for 10 compared to our nine for 120 yards. Um, and then the broken tackles, I think, were, were just a nightmare. Um, it's I mean, hard overall, to- we outgained them 312 uh, total yards to 232. Uh, we were more efficient. The offense was there, but they just kept the ball for quarters at a time. What it is, I don't think Stick got the ball until late in the third quarter, um, that second half. Like, 33 they just, minutes of possession to 26 of Chargers. It, so it just felt they, they, so they long. had well, that's not that that is long, right? That's you know, six more minutes more than the Chargers had, and the Chargers had 100 more yards total yards. Uh, the Rams right. are a much more run heavy uh, team right here with what they had available to them. Uh, Bryce Perkins extending plays, eight carries, 39 yards, a touchdown. And then outside of a few big catches to McClutchen, um, we pretty much held them at bay. If you take away that one long, what was it, like 40 yard score, I mean, it was like 40. That's it. That's a massive difference. But no, it is. Ultimately, those hidden yards, they, they bit the Chargers. Um, well, preseason game thought, doesn't really matter. It is what it is. Yeah. I, I, That's I kind of what we, you're expecting anyways, right? You're expecting the penalties, the missed tackles, lots of missed tackles by the Chargers. Um, and I think it's just a product of the first game of the season. Probably going to see it week one, week two, maybe into week three. But that's that, that should be the end of that. Yeah. Well, and I don't think that really the Rams beat us. They they took what we gave them, um, and I thought all of their big plays really came off of mistakes that we made. Um, so, I, and that that's something you can short you can clean that up, right? Getting beat down by a superior team, draft better, improve. Like that's a lot tougher than we let one get away. And I think that's really what happened. We had chances, we had opportunities, we kind of just let it slip. But um, that not the worst place to be week one of preseason. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's all I've got. Um, I'll talk to you guys next week after the Chargers play the Cowboys next. Yes. I'm excited. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Over out.